We interrupt this program to bring you a special news. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news. We interrupt this program to bring you this important bulletin from the United States. This is not a test. Every Tuesday, the Journey into Comics Network will bring you The Poor Rapport, your one-stop podcast shop for everything news and topics of personal interest. I am your host, Andrew Poor, and you can hear me every Tuesday. The following is a Journey into Comics Network production. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics. Podcast about everything nerd with your hosts Nate Phillips and Brandon Stone. We've come a long way from the Prime Minister's exploding cake, or have we? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Journey into Comics, the show that is about everything nerd. This is episode 169. I'm one of your hosts, Brando. Joining me here today, as always is the podfather himself, Nate. What's up, dude? How's it going? Going pretty darn good. We're trying something all new today. This is a last-minute thing, and that's kind of how we do things here on Journey Into Comics. We just say, hey, I got an idea. Let's try it right now. And then we're going to try and iron out the details later. We are trying to broadcast live. This may not be live to anybody. I might have set it to private. I don't remember if I saved it. This is just seeing how it works and how it details that that way, that way, Nate, when we get it all ironed out, we can start just doing this on a more regular basis and just live streaming whenever we record. It's kind of a cool thing. I absolutely agree. I love the medium of like being able to see each other's faces while we're podcasting and talking about whatever we're going to talk about each and every week. I know that there has been some talk about bringing some video exclusive content to our Patreon. It's one thing we don't yet have is any real video content. So this is just like really a step in that direction. Like we're stepping to the possibility of this being something we can do all the time. Right. And when you look at at like podcasts that have, you know, one dude, like uh, there's a podcast that I listen to. It's, uh, it's, it's called the podcast and stone podcast. It's, it's these guys over here. It will, it's about iced earth. It's my one of my, my favorite band of all time. The thing is, is that they one guy's over in Britain, the other guy's over here in America, and it's like they do this video, you know, podcast thing. And I'm like, we went like 150 episodes at least without ever doing any sort of webcam visual type thing. Yeah, we actually, what was it? It wasn't until like 152 that we tried it, right? I don't remember. It was different because I'm like, you know what? Let's see how this works because I think we did it for. We set up the call with Todd Black. Yeah, that was one fifty-two, and he just had his—he just had his, his, his like his his camera on, and we were over Skype like we normally do. But then it, we're like, "Oh, we could see him." Well, I guess I'll turn mine on. You're like, "I guess I'll turn mine on." And <laughs> it's been history ever since. We were like, "Yeah, we could have been doing this the whole time and made this thing a whole lot easier on ourselves." I think the fear between you and me was, if if I'm going back into conversations we've had, was always like. What happens if we go into Skype and we're using the the like the video chat and it starts to create a really, really terrible lag? Because that can happen. Sometimes video can bog your internet down and make it slower. So it was one of those things. I think we were just like, rather than fuck up an episode or have a, a bunch of crazy things happen, it was like, let's get right down to it and just 
podcast how we've always been podcasting. So when Todd was like, hey, I'm here, and I've got my face on the camera, it was like, shit, well, I guess, okay, sure, let's do it. And and now it's just like, uh, it makes the podcast easier. I can see your face. I know what you're about to say, like, kind of just by when you're ready to talk, I know to back off and, like, let you take out. Like, it, it's perfect. It makes it so much easier for sure. I like how your version of Todd Black sounds like Kermit the Frog, sounds like Ray Romano, sounds like, um, <laughs> um, oh man, the I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, the guy that played Egon Spangler. Um, uh, uh, wow, yeah. you just got me on this, why did you do that, his name is... I know, uh, right. Uh, fuck... I, it's HR. <laughs> it's a, his initials are HR, and I can't think of it. Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. Thank you. But I, do you remember that Family Guy bit where they did like the the roundtable discussion show, and it's Kermit, it's Ray Romano, and Harold Ramis, and they're all talking, and it's all the same voice. No. <laughs> <laughs> they're all just like, they're, like they're having like a discussion, and one guy talks, and the other guy talks, and another guy, and it's and it's like, well, I can't get a hurt. Well, I get a word in edgewise. Well, who the hell's been talking the whole time? And they all start talking at the same time. It's the same voice. Kermit the Frog here, here to tell you about the life of journey into comics. Today we have a great show for you, talking about The Walking Dead. <laughs> That went into something else. I don't know what that was. Yeah, I don't know how that ended. It was just uh, once I got into yeah, I just I didn't know how to say that as Kermit. It was a little bit more difficult than I anticipated. (laughs) This episode, for those of you who may see the live stream, is not brought to you by either Coca Cola or Monster Energy Drink. It just so happens to be our drink of choice today. For those of you listening, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? I'm so confused. Are we gonna have to start like taping over the label? Eventually, <laughs> maybe, maybe if we get big enough to tape over the label, I think we've done it. You know, like I'm okay if we've got to right. tape it over the label. <laughs> if they care enough about our podcast that they're like, you need to tape over the fucking labels if we're not going to be your sponsor. Okay. Well, well I mean, Monster okay. sponsors like a bunch of dudes that like race real fast and do crazy crap. And we're just, and slow. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, we are slow, but I mean, come on. Um, but I mean, I, I'm going to call them and be like, hey, guys, you know, I, I happen to just drink like, you know, one monster a day or something like that sometimes, uh, especially when I'm on the travel, I'm on the go or I'm at, and sometimes at work or something like that. But today, uh, I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night. There seems to be an illness going kind of going around the house or at least with the wife. And I woke up in the middle of the night with a sick wife and a crying baby. I didn't get back to sleep until after 5.30 this morning. Whoa, not fun. Uh, that's one no. of the... All- Let me tell you, Brando, uh, it's kind of great that we don't podcast together. <laughs> now that you tell me that the, the, the sick is going around your house, I'm just like, danger, danger, stay away. I hope it's not like any like influenza. I'm hoping it might have just been something she ate. But we both ate the same thing, and I'm fine. Yeah, so it could be anything. It could be any number of things. I know, but uh, yeah, so we're going to kind of like, we're not going to blaze this episode, but if I have to get up and leave to go help her out because she's out there with the kid, hopefully he's going down for a nap soon. But I, I know that her body's kind of, her body's sore. She's been kind of like, you know, up chucking all night. Uh, it's not fun. Uh, I've been there. If anybody that you know has ever had that issue, you know that, well, your body just sort of like, it, it, it hates you. 
for violently, you know, projectiling this stuff that was inside you. It's like, get this out. Get out. Go. Get down. Get out of my bodies. Listen to me. You need to listen to me right here, right now. The, those tortillas that you ate, they were like seven days past date. Uh, they they were not hard yet, but they were not very good. There was a little bit of mold on them. And then now your body wants to expel them from your bodies. And you're like, get out of here, you idiot. You shouldn't have ate it, and I'm going to make you pay. That was a great Arnie. Speaking of Arnie, I saw something yesterday that made me think of you. We were watching hilarious game show moments, and Arnold Schwarzenegger was on some sort of dating show of sorts. I don't know if it was like... Uh, I don't the dating game maybe probably what it was I don't remember but uh, it was the thing where there's the curtain between the the person and then there's three contestants trying to get that person's love or whatever and uh, Arnold's giving his measurements you know and he's like arms twenty seven chest fifty seven waist thirty six you know and um he he asks something about his numbers and she goes they get smaller as they go down your body and like you know and he he, he responds with that is not true <laughs> like he gets all of, he gets all offended <laughs> uh, i was like brandon would have a chuckle at seeing that clip uh it was a very young arnold too like i'm i'm talking uh, it's probably 70s it was early, it looked like maybe like 82 83 like it was early 80s i think but maybe late 70s somewhere in there yeah See, uh, Arnie's a very interesting cat, not to do a tangent like we do here in Journey into Comics. Hey. But he was a millionaire ever before, you know, he even got into acting. He was a bodybuilder, man. He, Well, he was a bodybuilder, but he was also into real estate. So um, he made money in real estate, and that helped fund his bodybuilding. And, yeah, he became a millionaire before he ever got into acting. Like the, like, like, like the bodybuilding and the real estate uh, and, like, well, the fact that he wasn't hurting for money, he was wanting—he's wanting to act for fun. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what he wanted to do. He want—he you know, he wanted to get into that, you know, into that uh, showmanship and whatever. And of course, he got into uh, Conan the Barbarian, and that was one of his first like big hits. And then, you know, that led to the Terminator eventually. That's money, money. He, I mean, he did a lot anyway, of great movies, though. He did well, and you know, and it wasn't like the Terminator was like. It's not like it was out to be money. It was, I mean, I think we talked about this uh, a while back when we covered the fact that they were going to make some new movies, but that original movie only had a $6 million budget. Yeah, and it killed at the box office. It was a surprise hit. And then, of course, the second one that they made like seven years later or whatever it was uh, ended up having like a $106 million <laughs> you know, budget. So a, a big different world because the first movie definitely wasn't the big Hollywood blockbuster movie. It was... It was different. It had to be small scale, and that adds to the character of that movie, I feel. Uh, whereas you get the second one, and it's my favorite movie out of the bunch, sure. It's it's all action. It's these big scenes that some of those scenes set a precedent for action movies For that are still like they try to live up to that movie. That movie's one of the biggest movies of all time. I feel like T-1000 is the reason that movie's budget was so expensive. Oh, look, go. Like, I, mean, I mean, yeah. Like, alone. Like, there's no, like... I, Everything else was mostly practical, I believe. So, you know, and and that's yeah. such a great character. Robert Patrick as T-1000. I mean, and then, of course, they did the little uh, thing in the Marine. You know, he was the he was the baddie in the Marine, and uh, John Cena was chasing him. This guy's like the Terminator. 
just gives him the stare. <laughs> he gives that look, yeah. Like, come on. But hey, Brando. That was a cool little Easter egg. It was a cool little Easter egg. Dude, there's a new Walking Dead comic that just came out. Uh, Yeah, and I just read it this morning because I got distracted, but it was awesome because I, it's so fresh in my memory. It's so fresh in my mind. 174 is the standalone kind of issue in between uh, story arcs, if you will. Yeah. We, we are done with the Whisperer War, and now we're heading into a new world order, and this one was going to focus on Negan and what he's been doing, kind of what's been going on with him since he's been granted his freedom by Rick Grimes. And this issue does not disappoint. Oh, buddy, does it not disappoint. Huge character-building issue for Negan. While it is an in-betweener between the major story arcs, you just have pretty much the wrap-up of like the Whisperer War saga and everything that happened with that. Really, the Whisperer War starting back right after 150 and literally... Just with literally everything that happened in 173, you know, the death of Beta, spoiler alert, and then the way things seem to be changing, this new group coming in, you know, it's nice to have a moment to step back and look at one of the characters you really end up loving. By the time we get to this point, I mean, you know, 74 issues ago, he's the most hated person in comics. Negan is right. awful, and you just despise him. I remember... Like, I, like I've said, and I've recounted on this show many times, when I started reading The Walking Dead, it was right at issue 106. So it was only six issues after Negan had, had debuted. And I had caught up, and I get to, like, 106, which is current. And I think that's right around the time that Carl goes to the sanctuary and has the big shootout with Negan's men, right? And it's the whole, like, Carl's captured, Rick's freaking out and all that. So... I was just like loathing this motherfucker for the longest. Really, you hate Negan. And you hate him all the way up and until the final battle at All Out War between him and Rick Grimes and the chess game that's played there. You have Rick making decisions with Dwight about how they're going to pull this off. Dwight is going to feign and make it seem like he shoots Rick Grimes with this gunky, poisonous arrow. That in turn is going to shift the tide because now Rick Grimes is dead no matter what they're not going to have a leader because he's been infected with the gunk it's a big ploy the gunk never hit Rick it's a trick <laughs> that was a rhyme he uh he shows back up he fake slits Negan's throat and at that moment you're like oh man Negan like wow he's gonna have a shot at redemption and he proves himself after the time jump moment after moment after moment that he is really trying to change and it makes you as the at least it made me as the reader go, man, this guy has a lot more to offer. And if he did turn out to be a good dude, what a crazy badass ally he would be, you know. So it's beautiful that here we are at 174 and we're going to just dive right into this issue. First panel, man, I just want to talk about how amazing it is to hear him having a hilarious dialogue with plants. We're talking plants, Brando. He says, okay, you're coming with me, you sexy motherfucker. Listen here, Sunflower, you are fucking gorgeous. Don't let anyone tell you different. I just, he's just, he's just, he's got vibrato for days and no one to share it with. At all. Oh, dude, um... 
I mentioned on the last episode or last episode that we discussed the Walking Dead comic that I don't know if it's always been this way. But ever since they've done the TV show version of Negan with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I read him with that cadence now. Yeah. So like for so for example that he's holding he's holding like the um that like the little shovel here. It's like, okay, you're coming with me, you sexy motherfucker. <laughs> Listen here, sunflower. And then okay, so imagine if he can't use the word fuck on television. He's like, Listen here, sunflower, you are gorgeous. Don't let anyone tell you different. Least of all these stupid let least of all the stupid grass. Grass don't know shit. <laughs> I could just hear Jeffrey D. Morgan saying this. Absolutely. It, it brought smiles to my face uh, as he's transferring this plant. There's a couple of walkers that kind of come up from behind him. And then uh, actually he's making a joke about how like his, like the plants, the, like the sunflowers roots are like him and like how they both have big roots. If root was another word for Dick, and he's like, well, then again, what word can't be used for dick like except maybe vagina and like eventually if you said it enough it would catch on it's like i like to sling what does it say i like to sling my vagina up in that vagina and then he like has a eh. and then like the walkers groan uh, and he goes everyone's a motherfucking critic <laughs> you know what there's only two of you uh, and i'm getting pretty close to home who knows you may actually eat someone that could kill me at some point he pushes him down and says, live your lives. Who the fuck am I to judge? <laughs> <laughs> running, running away. <laughs> this is immediately this very next page is where it all kind of shifts, in my opinion, in this episode, in this issue, because it goes Tone, from yeah. lighthearted and ha 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 to Negan's back mourning Lucille. And he's just, you know, he's kind of mourning a bat at first. And then it's really about Lucille. And then it's also about the bat and the symbolism of Lucille and just having her at his side as like his guardian angel and protector. He's really hurt by this. It's really, you know, Negan is, uh, again, a character of change. He seems ruthless and like he doesn't care what happens to anyone when he is, you know, leading the saviors in the issue 100. Here we are 74 issues later and he's really showing a soft side. He just doesn't. He just he's always thinking about Lucille and he's just trying to let her know that. But I love the the next page again shifting in tone. This issue of The Walking Dead had a lot of tone shifts because for a second. The next panel is almost the demon Negan trying to come out and play. He's you know, he's just like. He's talking about how he wishes bad things would have happened to him instead, and then he says that she wouldn't have ended up alone, and he's just, like, struggling with it, and it's the darkness of Negan. He can't accept that fate dealt him the hand where he had to be strong and live. He's kind of reflecting on all the things he's done here. Uh, but he pulls through, and he's like, I'm stronger than this. I'll get over it. I'll come back and see you tomorrow, and moves on. What's awesome is that he's reflecting on what he's done. And he he regrets what he's done. Uh, despite him feeling like what he had to do was what he had to do. 
You felt like like killing these people, killing the few so the many could live was the right thing to do. And now all of this over the last few years has come back on him. And, you know, when, when he was sitting in that cell with Rick, he wasn't just there plotting his escape. He was he was alone with himself. He was alone with those demons, alone with those ghosts of his pasts. And it, it's not until we get further into and after the Whisperer War that we really get to see how much of that really has affected him. You know, we, you know, as you said, we saw all these little things, him trying to plant the trust, him trying to say, hey, no, I don't want to live my life like that anymore, Rick. I want to be with you. You've shown me I'm wrong. I was wrong. And if there's any way that we could live together, I'm sure we can make this work and we can have a great thing going. But I get it. I was an asshole. And I deserve so much worse than anything you could possibly do to me. But I don't want to be that guy anymore. And of course, why would Rick trust him? Well, it's hard to, but there's always that but there underlying. Negan has done a lot to prove his trust to Rick. I mean, really, saved him a couple times there, could have escaped from the jail, brought him the head of Alpha. I mean, like, Negan just, like, literally stepped up to the plate and said, okay, I need to be the guy that does this for everybody, and even if they still don't accept me, that's fine. I want some redemption, though. Maybe this doesn't take away all the bad stuff I've done, but it lessens in my mind how awful of a person I was at one point because I'm trying to earn good karma points back, as it were. Yeah, and then, of course, we get to see him going home, walking inside, him realizing that he's out of food. And it's he ends up going hunting, and he shoots a dog, and he's cooking the dog, and it's almost kind of like a fourth wall break. Either that or he's talking to the dog and and then to himself. But I do like how it's like kind of a quasi fourth wall break when he's like fucking starving. Okay. Damn thing would have been eaten by the dead anyway. And then he's talking to like the flower that he just planted. Well, to, to Lucille's grave. It's like, I still feel bad about the fucking dog. Don't even taste good. Don't even taste good. I loved it. And then he finds some canned food. And then he's puking up said expired canned food. <laughs> yep. And then, and then uh, he ends up he's scavenging, goes by a farm, he finds this barn. And what's leaning up against the corner in the barn? But a baseball bat. And this is when he really starts to feel the evil. Yeah. The evil is like coursing in Negan right now. As soon as he sees it, his eye, like I really equate the picture in the bottom of this panel when the bat is first uh, discovered, the bottom right panel, uh, his eyes, he just almost has like a Frank Castle Punisher look to him. Like he's right. switched on, you know? And it's going, and, he, and he's trying to fight it. He's trying to fight this sense of rip, bringing the bat back, bringing that part of himself back. You know, relying on that once again. And he refuses and he ends up leaving. And then that's when he's like at the grave again, basically saying, you're not a fucking baseball bat. I'm talking to you like like a crazy person, but you're uh, you're my dead wife, Lucille. Not the baseball. Like he's like trying to like talk to him. So like I, I made the bat a symbol of because I couldn't bear the thought of not being alone. Yeah, but the symbol became more. It did. It definitely did. And then it's funny because right when he's telling you, he's like, I can replace the bat. But that's not fucking you. It's not. 
And then he runs back to the to the barn, gets the bat, and as he's walking back, he goes by a barbed wire fence. And I love it because he he kind of chuckles to himself and says, Would you fucking fuck fucking look at that? <laughs> yep. And then and he says, like, and then he starts talking to it like like it's Lucille again, like it like, like it's her. It's like I know it's probably restrictive tight right now, but you'll get used to it, dear. He called it dear. It's like I fucking promise. Fuck you know, I pro- I fucking promise the fuck out of it. I love the like like he has never in like seventy five issues or or seventy four issues he's never waned in how he talks like he like he still talks the same way and he's like you know pretty soon it'll be like second skin and you'll feel naked without it you never yeah you'll never fucking be without it because it's a fucking part of you fuck yeah it is and then busting through the door is one and only Maggie and Dante. And this has been leading up from a few issues ago. I believe that was 173 when Dante showed her on the map where he was. The big N. And here she is pointing a gun at him. And, and of course, she catches him in the act of wrapping the barbed wire around this bat. Of course, this is the symbol. This is the bat or a replacement bat of what took down Glenn. You know, something that haunts her, which, which they actually go, in, like, like go into. And she tells Dante to wait outside. Why does then, Maggie uh, look like Han Solo, by the way? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Maybe, I, I think it's the jacket. I think it's the hair. And I think it's the gun. <laughs> the holster, too, on the side of her. Like, it's just yeah. like, it's just like, so it screams Han Solo. I don't know. I guess that makes Dante chewy. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, she's like, you know who I am, don't you? And he's like, yeah, I'm not senile. I know who you are. She's good. So you know why I'm here. And he's like, Got a pretty good idea. Guess the gun kind of gives it away. <laughs> Imagine you probably don't think too highly of me. I know uh, you weren't happy about Rick keeping me in that cell, and I bet you're even less happy now that he's given me my freedom. She's like, you really, you seem really calm about all this. He goes, Maggie, it's a luxury to live in this world long enough to regret the things you've done. To have, to have a quiet enough moment to allow the memory of your actions to horrify you. I'm sorry for what I did. I won't fight back. And she's taken aback by this. Doesn't say anything. She's getting mad. She's like, "Like, don't I see what you're doing? You're trying to set, you know, get sympathy from me. You don't get to play the reasonable, calm man after everything you did." She's not falling for it. And he's like, he's trying to convince her. This is no act. You know, I've had years to think about what I've done, not just to your, just his husband. And she's like, Glenn was his name, right? It's like. Yeah, that was it. Listen, I'm not proud of it. I did it. Consciously, willingly, because I truly believed it's what I needed to do. After a while, after the nerves were off, after I got used to the uh, things that I did, after after it all started uh, seeming normal, I even enjoyed it. I'll admit it. So many people died around me right in front of me that in the early days, I started seeing everyone as living on borrowed time. Like they were already, like they were dead already still up walking around. That's not the first time we've heard reference to that. A couple times. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Rick has said that, you know, when he said, when he claimed we are the walking dead. And then he says, killing a few here and there to ensure 10 or 20 people. I knew at least half of which I actually liked could, could live easy trade. It wasn't until Rick showed me the way that we could actually make this world a better 
And it, we, we didn't have to race to the bottom of what humanity could be in order to survive. I started to realize what I'd done. My Lucille was dead. Pretty much everybody I loved was probably dead. But if Glenn was your, your Lucille, and he starts crying now, tears start coming down. Well, that's a pain I'm, I'm all too familiar with. And then she says, can you picture her face, your wife? And he says, clear as day. Can you hear her voice? She asks, I think so. I can remember conversations we had. And, she, and then she says, every time I picture, try to picture Glenn's face, all I see him is screaming my name with the skull bashed in and his eye hanging out. When I hear his voice, it's screaming my name garbled in agony. That's my memory of him. And with that, I see you smiling. And then he's like, okay, then. And then she's like, okay, what? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, then kill me. I deserve it. Go ahead. Do it. And she looks over at, at the bat. And he says, that would be poetic summary. Painful for me, but I respect it. I understand all too well how satisfying that would probably be. If you want to, if you use the bat, if you want. She's like, no, I'm not going to kill you. And he looks up and he grabs her by the wrist and says, do it. He wants out. And then, he's begging her. Yes. Yeah. You know, now he's begging. It's almost like, uh, you know, come on. I don't deserve it. You know, like I can't live like this. I can't be alone. I deserve, you know, I you know this is what I deserve. Pull the trigger, Maggie, do it, please. And then she's, you know, uh, she's like, not, she doesn't want to do it now or she wants to, but she's refraining to. And then he's like, he says, picture Glenn's face. Remember that. Remember what I did. That's who I am. That's what I'm capable of. I could do that again. I want this, please. I want it all to end. I'm ready for this to all be over. I want you to kill me. You please just kill me, please. And his voice trails, please. She pulls the gun away and says, no, I'm not going to give you what you want. Leaving him there on his knees with tears streaming down his face. But, but she goes, you have to live with what you've done. She walks away, leaving him on his knees. And she says, let's go. Dante said, you didn't. She said, no, he wasn't worth it. And there's a couple walkers walking. Uh, like the door to his house is wide open. The walk, so a couple walkers are about ready to wander in and, Dante asks, should we just leave him to, and then she opens fire on the walkers and kills them, grabs Dante in for a pretty aggressive kiss. Yeah, Jesus. Sexual tension uh, that's been building for like 30 some issues. Yeah. And then she grabs the horse and says, let's go home. And then we see Negan on his knees. He pulls up, slicks his hair back, puts his coat on, grabs the bat. Looks like he finishes wrapping it or he breaks it off. He takes it over to a fire, chucks it in the fire, and the, the, the fire engulfs the bat. And we see what looks like a sense of calm or solace in Negan's face. No anger, no wicked smile. Just peace. There. Yeah, peace is a good word for it. Uh, this is a great issue. A really good piece because this is something, a showdown between Maggie and Negan, something that we've been waiting for since Glenn's death. Absolutely. They've never officially crossed paths. Not like this. And now they have that interaction. We've seen how far Negan has come since his debut. And and then of course just this year we read the uh like like the Negan, here's uh, Negan. backstory. The here's Negan backstory issue and that gave us like that mixed with this, like it's like his character arc is probably my favorite overall in The Walking Dead because it is he goes from a character that you just hate to a character that you're somewhat rooting for, uh, especially with his relationship with the other characters. And after 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 everything that he's done, he doesn't deserve this crap. But 
in this kind of crazy world that, that they live in, you know, it's people like this who you end up seeing by your side when the shit hits the fan a lot of times. Absolutely. Uh, this issue was, it was moving. This is another one of those issues that catches you off guard because, as I said, this is really deeply character-building Negan, and it pushed him to a different echelon of character. He's at peace now. He's got a lot of resolve. Maggie could have killed him. She didn't, so that tension is gone. It seems now that there's no one left in the community and in Alexandria, the Hilltop Kingdom, you know, as far as we can tell, I don't even think Dwight wants him dead anymore. So now, what does that mean for Negan? Is he going to come back again and be a major player for Rick when the when this New World Order happens? I feel like, the thing is, I feel like the New World Order story isn't going to be Rick's story. It's going to be that other group. And maybe Rick and company show up at the very end to help things out. But... I feel like it's going to be Eugene's really character-building piece again because Eugene has kind of fallen by the wayside. He's had a lot of really shoddy moments. He feels responsible for the death of Andrea, even though he really had nothing to do with it. I mean, it was all circumstantial. Uh, so this is him trying to find redemption, another redemption story here in, in, the, in the book. I just hope that... Negan can play a bigger role moving forward now that kind of all of the tensions against him and the past versions of him are gone. It's going to be interesting because obviously Maggie feels like he's not deserving. You know, she almost feels like he is a better punishment for him would be to let him live with what he's done. Obviously with him, you know, at first she's like, you know, saying that she's not buying this. She's not, uh, she's not, going to fall for his tricks but then when the tears start falling and then he's really begging for it she kind of feels like he you know he's not trying to trick me now this is he's a, he, he's in a sad existence right now and it would be how would she really feel if she had done it at that point in time because then it almost would have been a mercy killing and then that to her is like that's not what yeah, that Glenn didn't get that. Well, and it gets even weirder when you put it on its head like this and think of uh, any superhero story you can think of where someone has been wronged, a hero has been wronged, and then they're not seeking to like avenge someone who had been had fallen because of how they were wronged, but instead they're looking for revenge. They get the revenge, uh, maybe kind of looking at. You know, Robin in Batman Forever maybe is a good example. He wants to kill Two-Face. He's driven by that rage. But ultimately, if he buys in and kills Two-Face, he's just Two-Face. He's the same. He becomes the exact same thing as the thing he hates. And I think that that also, in some way, played into Maggie's conscious. The more she talked to him and the more she suffered. But what it also did, it gave resolve to, to her and Glenn. Because she sees this guy who's actually remorseful. She gets what she wants out of it. She made him a pitiful, weak, groveling man. And it doesn't change anything, but it mentally has to make her feel a little better. And coming from that, it allows her closure with Glenn in some form. And she opens this new door with Dante, which who knows how long this will or will not last. 
But if his head gets bashed in by a baseball bat, it's not Negan. It's definitely Maggie's fault. She's the reason people's heads get bashed in with baseball bats. <laughs> what did you think of this issue, though, bro? It was awesome. I mean, it's they've had a lot of good issues back-to-back here, man. Uh, very few issues that have really, like, not really seemed to have gotten anywhere. Like, there's usually, like, there for a little bit, um, I kind of fell behind in the reading. So, like, I read a couple of them back to back, and I don't really remember exactly, like, around the time that, that the that the group that Eugene and Michonne are with, um, and what they're in their traveling companion, they're like like their new one, the princess. The princess, yeah. I read those back to back, so like those didn't really stick out to me. But like the killing of Beta, this thing with. Uh, with Negan, it's really been a good couple of really good issues back to back. And I'm looking forward to see this new group and this new uh, sort of set of society that we have going on up in, are they around Pittsburgh or? I think it's Pittsburgh or Ohio. I think they were heading towards Ohio, but they were okay. Uh, they passed through Pittsburgh. That was the uh, princess. Uh, princess. Okay. Yeah. So we, so they passed through that now they're in Ohio. Yeah. So uh, it's well, it's interesting too because we're not too far removed from the death of Andrea either. That was only six issues ago. So they're you know they're moving swiftly, but I feel like Kirkman right now is on a war path. I read in the uh, in the letter hacks, issue two hundred is already done. He already has the whole script ready. He knows exactly what's happening. He knows what he is going to do to top issue one hundred. I mean, you got to think, issue 100, the most talked about issue of The Walking Dead because it was the most impactful issue of The Walking Dead. Uh, Long-lasting effect. So how do you even... There's only one thing you can do. Either Carl is going to kill himself because that would be an unexpected twist. He's an angsty teen. It's something you wouldn't expect happening. Something they haven't really heavily dealt with in The Walking Dead story. Uh, Or Rick's going down. Those are the only two things I could really think of that would top the death of Glenn. If they killed Rick, which doesn't mean that they can't, even though that this has been primarily his story, mm-hmm. how messed up would it be that the character formation of Negan, going from a person you absolutely hated to someone who you now feel sympathy for, ends up sort of becoming the new main character and driving that like Rick's group because he learned firsthand what it means to forgive. And his body and hasn't taken a beating like Rick's has. Exactly. He, you know, he's a bit stronger. He has that mentality of what he used to be. He's seen what Rick can be. We've seen where he can go. We've seen the ups and downs of Rick's uh, character development. With Negan, you would get like, to see him in charge again, you'd be like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Nothing. He's going to be the new Rick Grimes because that's what he strives to be now. That would be nuts, Brando. Okay, so you just gave me a concept because we were talking about possibly the death of Rick Grimes, how impactful that would be. You were talking about Negan, his character story, how he's evolved. What if this new group by issue 200 or whatever, however this happens, they kill Rick. Rick's group is toast. It's done. Game over. There's no one getting out of this alive, and Negan comes and saves the day. 
he's almost been disappearing. You know, he almost disappears for a short amount of time from the books, maybe yeah. around like issue 190 or 185 or something. He just kind of is, they don't write about him. He's kind of off on his own adventure. Negan's not doing anything important right now with almost the goal of like, will you bring him back when you bring him back? What happens? Or, oh, I have an even better concept. What if Rick's group was in the situation where they were going to die and Negan sacrifices himself to save Rick? That's fucking huge. Don't see that one coming. No. I, in a way, though, I honestly don't see Rick dying. No, I mean, it's, well, maybe, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's off the table, but I think that, in it, like, in, a, in like a narrative sense, the story started with him. It kind of needs to end with him, you know? Um, it started with issue one with him waking up in the hospital, and the story has been focused on him. It wasn't until later that it deviated to other characters. So from a narrative standpoint, I would like to see it stay with him. So I don't think Negan's going to make it all the way through, but the only other place to take his character would be in the total opposite direction that it was going in. Yeah. I mean, for Negan, not for Rick. Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. Uh, also, you know, one thing I want to talk about for a second, talking Walking Dead before we move on here, I want the guy who did the alien to do more of that story. Like, I want to see more of what's going on with that, maybe find a way to cross that over and bring it in. That was Rick's brother's story. You know, only, I think the last time they referenced Rick's brother was like issue three. So... Are you caught up on the show? No, I'm. I'm well. Last week's episode behind because tonight's the mid season. Right. Yeah. As we record this tonight is the mid season finale, so we're going to talk about it next week on the show. But did you get to see who the guy that Carl was finding and trying to like court, and then Rick scared him off? Sadiq. You could. Yeah. I was freaked out. I was like, nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. Sadiq is here already. Holy hell. So that's building... Because I didn't Sadiq come with Magna's group in the in the books? Just I'd have to reread that to look to make sure. But don't reread. I'm going to search he was it. I know that... Um, I, know that, I know that he's involved with the new... Um, with the new Alexandria. So, and he had a wife, right? In the comics? I think so. Did he have a girl? Well, he what did. Was, I can't but remember. then remember Sadiq's big thing is he's also uh he's also with Rosita. <laughs> well, he <laughs> yeah. was with Rosita past tense cuz if he's with her now, that's really totally messed uh, up. <laughs> not the show, guys. We 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 were sort of bouncing back and forth between the comic and the show. Okay, so check it out. I called it. Sadiq first appeared in 127, which was the time jump. He he did show up with Magnus Group. So his appearance oh. is early and signal. I didn't even think about it like that until right now when we're just chatting about it. <clears throat> well, I'm pretty excited because it seems like where they're going in the show. Uh, that we're, we're near the midseason, so we're going to get the latter half of all out war next year. And I think the tables are going to turn and the saviors are going to obviously going to fight back and it could end up leading until, into Rick going into a last ditch effort, which is going to lead up to the end of the all out war. Yeah. I would say by like what I think is going to happen, Brando, if I were to do a little predicting here is there's going to be something that happens in the mid season with Dwight 
that makes the audience question his allegiance to Rick's group and all the things he's done to prove that he's a good guy. There's going to be a tipping point because I feel like if you're going to do the show any way like you did the comics, the allegiance of Dwight has to be not confirmed. You have to almost be uncertain of where he really stands. So when that crucial moment happens and he does in fact shoot Rick with an arrow, if that's how they end up playing it, if he in fact does that, you, you actually to, believe that Rick is going to die. Exactly. You have to make it high stakes. Penultimate episode of this season, and Rick Grimes just got shot with a gunk arrow. Shit's hitting the fan. And everyone's going to go, oh my God, in the finale, Rick Grimes is going to die. And everyone's going to be certain. And to see him stand up and and ev- have everything happen with that final battle with Negan as a surprise moment, it, it would make TV, and I think it would bring more fans back to The Walking Dead. I feel like... It's weird because they're like I feel like more people like Negan now as a character, even though they hate his character, because Jeffrey Dean Morgan is like this modern day sex symbol, silver fox, whatever. But like also he made a lot of people stop watching The Walking Dead because it was like, oh, they took it too far. Looking at Glenn's eye bulging out of its head while he's trying to say Maggie's name was a pinch too far for me and I can't watch it anymore. Hopefully people will be like, oh, there's great resolve with Negan and Rick and you'll need to watch it. And everybody will be like, okay. So then by the next season, you know, numbers are back up. Because I heard that the numbers this year for Walking Dead have just kind of been down in general. Mm, for the past two seasons. Uh, the Ever since the season premiere of last year, the numbers have just fallen. I think that's and weird. They're... Well, I in a way, I kind of feel like, it, that it's not because the show has been on now for eight. We're on season eight. We're on midway through shows that go this long, man. Sometimes they trail off. And when you're sort of like kind of a niche show, like this is with this whole zombie apocalypse type world, I kind of think that we're past the, the peak of interest here. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think that they made a mistake waiting so long to introduce Negan into this world. Should they have moved things forward? Should we have not visited and bothered with Terminus and all these other things that were just like filler and gotten right into it? Yes and no, because there's good stuff that came out of that. And I agree. Good television. I honestly feel like that people just... I think they don't like the flow of the show sometimes. And um, I've actually seen comments where people think that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is kind of annoying. That's actually surprising. But that, I don't think that's a vast majority. I actually find him very entertaining and really enjoy his his take on Negan. I I love I love I love JDM as Negan. Uh let's jump forward probably we've spent a pretty decent chunk of this episode on the walking dead it was a very awesome issue 174 brando we're 26 issues from 200 uh if they stick to the regular schedule i believe that puts issue 200 in like october of 2019 so we'll see we'll just have to see awesome all right. Do we want to go into this other news next? You know, I was going to look up to see if any update had been had yet. But uh, Disney, Brando, 
we've been teasing this and we keep teasing it some more, but I just recently read some news. They have finalized the deal and are working on the fine print of what the deal will entail monetarily speaking. Uh, Disney will be buying part of Fox, 20th Century Fox. Uh, you've got, they're going to have 30% stake in Hulu. I think that's important to note that Disney will own 30% of Hulu now. Does that change how the streaming service works? Will the Disney service be an add-on to Hulu moving forward? But it actually brings some more interesting questions because this deal being finalized means that 2018 is the last year we will have Fox created superhero movies. And it's a doozy. There's like three Fox or three or four Fox created superhero three Fox created superhero movies coming out this year. You got New Mutants in April, Deadpool in July, and Dark Phoenix in November. And of course, within all of that in October, you're going to have a Venom movie as well, which is Sony, but you but I digress. So, this deal being finalized, Brando, there's a lot of other stuff at play. I don't know if you heard this yet, but a big rumor has come out of the possibility of this deal being finalized. Someone is slated to return as a character that they just stopped playing. Hugh Jackman? Yes. His one caveat when he left was, the only way I'll do another movie as Wolverine is if it is alongside of the Avengers. The rumor is part of this deal being fast-tracked is so Hugh Jackman can actually make his debut in Avengers 4, the second half oh, wow. of the Infinity Story. Yes. So that's an interesting thing to talk about. So what do you think about this deal? Well, because, well, I mean, even oh. if you introduce the Wolverine character without introducing any of the other X-Men... That's your that that that's your toe in the water. That dips that that says mutants exist here. That means that in the Avengers world, you know, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, there's a merge somewhere. There's a there's a play on things. These guys are mutants. Oh. And then with and then with Wolverine, you're like, this guy, he's a mutant. And then even if that's the only time he replays him and he kind of goes off and rides off in the sunset again, as if like Logan was his final and then Avengers is like him tipping the hat saying, glad I could see you guys. And then he leaves Then they look over there and there's this whole rainbow and shiny world of the X-Men. They can go, you know, when we lose Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and Hemsworth, come on over here. We're going to be Professor all right. X, Magneto, Cyclops. Gambit, maybe Wolverine, Storm. You then you have all these characters to work with, and all these big, awesome comic characters who just easily step in. And then you have this new Marvel-created Fantastic Four. Absolutely, uh, there are so many possibilities here. Uh, one thing I want to mention that's interesting: they definitely killed Quicksilver in the MCU. And yeah. Quicksilver still exists in Fox's universe. So maybe Infinity War, because of the timey-wiminess and the way things will work, maybe Wanda will get her brother back, but it's not Aaron Taylor Johnson. It's Evan Peters. <laughs> you don't look like my brother at all. What? I'm so confused. Um. Oh, man. I was also thinking of, like, how cool would it be is, like, when they get all these characters... 
and then and then they do the Infinity War, uh, like part two or Avengers four, and they have the crossover with Wolverine, and it's awesome, and we have all this cool resolution to the Thanos story, and then you have the after credit scene, which does nothing to build up the next movie. It has everything to do with Deadpool. I knew you were going to say it. Okay, let's hear it. What would you do? Well, because you could have him walk out and go, so what, you get Jackman? Like, who had the number one rated R-rated movie twice? Twice! Because I- I'm the guy who's, who literally saved the X-Men. Me! True. You know? And, it, and it, he could actually be, like, kind of, like, like, pretty angry about it. And pretty like ruffled. He's like, so you guys, this guy retired. He retired. He, he wouldn't even be in a movie with me. <laughs> and then he goes, you know what? You want know to think about your MCU and your Mickey Mouse ears? You can just go and then like cut it off right before he could say it, you know? Uh, I love that because it hypes it. It makes it fun. It gives Deadpool a, a point in all of this. Alternately, it I puts think... him on an even bigger stage. Yes, yes. That way, when they do Deadpool three, you got a lot more people looking in on it. De- uh, now, granted, you do need to be careful with what he says because the Avengers are more family friendly. He could technically probably get away with an f bomb, but don't do it. Save it because what would you do? Is like you have this rogue guy coming onto your after credit scene. You're gonna be like, well, we're not gonna let him get away with too much here. Click. <laughs> I think that's the that would be the first f bomb in the MCU if he dropped it. I don't think probably. I, I don't think there's been a character in any of the MCU movies that have said fuck. If they they've, 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 they definitely said shit and damn and asshole, but I don't think uh, the f bomb has ever been dropped. I would love it. Like you know how we did. Uh, you said you would like to see a Spider Man v Deadpool. Yes. And then it's what the I whole do for movie, Deadpool three. The whole movie Deadpool's plotting his one f bomb. Yes. And then someone else says it. Oh, that would be hilarious. And then he is losing his mind and getting so mad, but he can't say the word fuck, so he sounds like the like the dad from a Christmas story. He <laughs> <laughs> just starts making of his own fraggle. Snaggle fraggin. And then he's sitting there and goes, See, this is what I get. This is what I get when Disney buys up my studio. I sound like the dad from A Christmas Story. Yes. Oh, man, that's self-referential. See, with Deadpool, I think the other thing I would do is the movies for, for Infinity Part 2 is over, right? And wherever the scene ends, you see like a, a random garbage can in an alley. And there's something shiny sticking out of it. And Deadpool's just whistling, walking along. And he's, he's like, ooh, something shiny. And he grabs it, and it's the Infinity Gauntlet. Of course, it doesn't have any of the stones. It's the it's the shitty gauntlet that Thanos had without stones, because I'm guessing the stones will be destroyed or put in safekeeping or whatever. But Deadpool's like, I'm going to get to work on this right away. And then it flash-forwards like 15 seconds, and he's at the arcade trying to win fake rings to put into the thing. <laughs> you know, like he's trying to figure it out. He's like, I got it. I, I'm gonna. I got to just win this yellow ring, and then I have the soul stone. <laughs> It'd just be a play on how, you know, asinine that is. Uh, I love that this is happening. You know, I I said to you privately the other day that I think that 
today or tomorrow we'll get the news. Well, today being yesterday and tomorrow being today, time travel. That we'll get the news that Fox is gonna is gonna make this deal official. But I just heard it looks like it'll happen right around Christmas. All right. So how funny would it be also to have an after credit scene where Deadpool has all the Avengers on their knees and he's walking around with a leather jacket and a baseball bat? <laughs> oh my God, that would be hilarious. And he's like, "Wait, so you were expecting something different?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and he's like waving, he's waving the bat around. Like, what say you, Tony Stark? It, hmm? It'd be funnier though, too. Also, if like it was like a like kind of how Dick did his Deadpool Negan, it's a wiffle ball the bat. Lights. But then like the <laughs> wiffle ball bat can shoot water, so he's like pointing it and then just like spraying people in their faces. They're like, oh, come on. Well, how cool would it be if if he went to go get hit Iron Man and it just ping? It's ow! God, that didn't work. Jeez, that hurts. Yeah. What are you made out of iron? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I get it. <laughs> uh, you know, so we talked a little bit about the X Men in this and Deadpool. You said it too, though. Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. If this happens, Fantastic Four coming home. Marvel's first family will be home. the The team that really created the Marvel universe, because the Fantastic Four, as you know, are the first Marvel book that Stan Lee wrote uh it was his own project and it kicked off the new love of superheroes Spider-Man to follow the reason that in the amazing Spider-Man number one there's a Fantastic Four cameo is because the Fantastic Four were already such a well-established team thinking in advance and planning the future out they you know put those universes together so this means there's only one property other than Spider-Man, which I'm going to talk about this in a second. That means there's only one property that Marvel does not have the rights to fully do. Um, and that's Universal Studios. They still actually own Namor. And I think that deal is up in like six months, though. So before this is all said and done, Marvel's going to get all the rights to everybody back. I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. But I feel like if the Venom movie is bullshit, which it's probably gonna be, I just I'm not having great feelings about it. I feel like they want they have like really good intentions, but they're mixing their message. You've got uh, Tom Hardy is playing Eddie Brock, but he looks like a military dude, which is more like Flash Thompson and Agent Venom. So it's like, what story are you telling? And then now they've also said they're introducing Anti Venom into the movie. So. I'm wondering if there's a stumbling step here that's going to happen with Sony that's going to open up Marvel to go, look, you keep making these really bizarre movies that don't quite hit the nail on the head. And did you see a a Spider-Man Homecoming? It was really pretty fucking good, by the way. I think we should just uh, finish this up here, and they'll get the rights to Spidey back. They won't buy Sony out, but they'll get the rights to Spider-Man back. I think they'll be more aggressive about it. Okay, so... Here's something else. Did you see the new... It wasn't necessarily a trailer, but it was uh, at at PSX, at the PlayStation Experience this weekend, they released like a little snippet of a behind-the-scenes thing and some look at the new Spider-Man game coming out for PS4. I watched it last night. I'm so stoked on that game. Oh, dude. It looks I'm great. I'm so excited. They have, uh, I saw they, were te- they teased uh, Norman Osborn in the universe. They have Kingpin in the universe. You've got Mr. Negative being the main baddie of the universe. 
um, amazing cinematography within this game. There's a scene where Spidey's swinging through the city on a mission, and there's like a um, giant, it's not a billboard, but it's like a big neon sign with a bunch of letters that breaks, and he like shoots through the middle of it all like slow-mo, epic-like. I was just like, why is this game not out already? I feel like it'll come out, is it supposed to come out May, like right before Avengers? That was the rumor, but on the at the tail end of that trailer or whatever it was, it said 2018. So they may not hit the mark. Uh, that would be the best thing to do if you were able to to get get it out and capitalize on the Marvel hype that is there. Uh, because you could be like, oh, you remember that movie? It was out. Yeah, Spider Man. Guess what? Not directly involved, but more Marvel over here. And so that's what I would do. But if it's not ready, it's not ready. Take your time, guys, because it looks like you guys are putting together an awesome Spider-Verse. And I cannot wait. They're doing for Spider-Man what Rocksteady did for Batman. Absolutely. In the, in the Arkham games. Making, let, let's take everything that's there and go right here. And it's like we're going to make our own thing. It's Spider-Man. They, everything you could ever want to do and ever have it's all here and then we're not involved with the movies we're not involved with the comics or the cartoon we're all take let, let's take all of that and make this awesome new game verse and then from there on you the the possibilities are endless you know with everything that you can do absolutely well said the game looks phenomenal i'm super excited to play it get my hands on it if there's a collector's edition i feel like i have no other choice but to get it like, I'm a big Spidey mark, so this game looks like it's going to do Spider-Man justice for the first time in the history of video games. And not to Hope say so. and not to say there aren't some good Spider-Man games. There are. We could spend a whole Game Addicts episode talking about the different Spider-Man games that have come out and what they did good and bad for Spidey. But, digressing there, because we're going to, you know, keep talking about it. Uh, I really don't have much to say other than this is also going to mean the deal with Fox and Disney does mean that in the near future, sooner than we realize, we will get the theatrical releases of the original Star Wars trilogy in Blu-ray form. That will happen. Hope so. A lot of hope so's. <laughs> well, I do hope so because they did say that the original versions were damaged in like a fire, so they'd have to do restorative work. Yeah, and and, and part of the like, well, it was just one. I think the first one has has taken on damage. Of course, that's why the despecialized versions exist. Is a mixture of righting wrongs that George Lucas did, and then also trying to restore the theatrical essence of the original movies. Well, if you think about it, I think there was a reason why George did what he did. Number one, he wanted to go back and he wanted to do add more. Let's do some more stuff. Let's make this more like the movie I wanted to make. But number two, it gave him the rights to A New Hope. Absolutely. because he Or at least to, that version of it. Because he added CGI, Dubacks, and Jabba the Hutt, and other random shit. Right. It, I, it's but, bizarre. Nate, uh Twitter reactions are coming in from the Last Jedi that's coming out uh, this Friday. You seen it on Thursday? Thursday, technically Thursday. So excited! Guess what? I'm seeing Thor tonight. Uh, oh, cool! And then that's gonna, awesome. And then gonna uh, get I, tickets for Jedi. Yeah. I I ordered my ticket for Jedi. I'm seeing it at six thirty on Friday, and uh, I have to go alone because my wife can't go because we can't get a sitter. So we're gonna have to go back over my Christmas shutdown and go see it. Um, try and get like a matinee or something. But yeah, 
Uh, I'm going to try and hit up work and see if anybody else wants to go on Friday uh, because that way I won't be there all by myself. I've done it before for Deadpool, set in an almost empty theater with a couple different dudes. Like we all sat like far enough apart for comfort, but it, it was weird. Equidistant but, apart, but still too close for comfort. Well, I mean, in a way, it's it was. I almost felt like how most, some people must have felt like going to those old porno theaters where you're like, well, I'm going to sit way over here. <laughs> that way I don't have to hear this dude. But not quite. It, it definitely wasn't that kind of movie. But for Star Wars, early Twitter reactions that are coming out, and I'm going to read some of these. Uh, there's a warning here, Nate. Very, very minor spoilers below. Uh, sure. I haven't read all of them, so sure. here we go. Every single shot serves a purpose, and The Last Jedi is easily the funnest Star Wars film, and that is a fantastic thing. Another one says... The Last Jedi is so very different, exciting and surprising. So many emotions, so many amazing moments. Stay away from spoilers. Guys, Ryan Johnson has made the most epic, emotionally powerful Star Wars film ever. Hands down, my strong advice to be very wary of spoilers. The less you know about The Last Jedi, the better. Bravo, bravo, bravo. And then this one says, you all have no idea what you're about to see. The saga has truly changed forever. Oh. Um, the Last Jedi is incredibly satisfying, and hands down, Mark Hamill's best performance as Luke Skywalker. And then, impressed with Star Wars: Last Jedi, it has some big, impressive moments, some and surprising moves that I definitely didn't expect. Most of all, the plot stuff is exactly perfect. The character work is once again fantastic, and it's just amazing to see Luke Skywalker back in action. Just saw Last Jedi, and holy hell, is it a masterpiece in a in a lot of insane ways. I think. The standout factor here is Ryan Johnston's A-plus direction. There's never been a Star Wars movie like this. I'm, st- I'm not done yet. The full Last Jedi thoughts to come next week, but the short version, that's a damn good Star Wars movie. Last Jedi is awesome. I'm overwhelmed with all sorts of emotions. How incredible Ryan Johnston's movie is. I can't wait to see it again. Also, Porgs. Um, <laughs> there's a scene in Last Jedi that I keep playing over and over in my head. That is so stunning and unexpected. I don't want to forget how I felt seeing it for the first time. This movie feels unlike any other Star Wars movies in all the way I had hoped. I am stunned by Last Jedi. I gasped, I laughed, I screamed, I cried. And at the time of my life, had the time of my life, Ryan Johnson pulled it off, making what might be the best Star Wars movie ever. And lastly, I think The Last Jedi may be the first Star Wars movie that's not just about growing up, but also about growing old. New characters mature. Veterans learn about becoming more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Damn. I'm like legitimately so excited and ecstatic to see this movie. Just what the, what you were reading gave me goosebumps. I was like, oh my God. Uh, the hype is real. We are less than a week away. We're going to be talking about this uh, next week. Here on the show, I am going on my own to see it. Um, I have to, like, take the – I can't go with my wife. We can't ex- share the experience like we did with Force Awakens. But I'm doing that just so we can get together on Saturday or Sunday, whenever we get together, to talk about that and then talk about The Walking Dead mid-season finale. It's going to be a, an awesome episode of the show for sure. So I feel like, Brando – spoiler alert here – I feel like if everything plays out how it might play out, if I see this movie on Thursday and it like knocks my GD socks off, I might meet you down there on Friday to see it a second time. No joke, because 
like I said, with those uh, early reviews, I guess they weren't really even reviews. They were just reactions to the movie. Man, it just feels like Ryan Johnson has done something, and I feel like he was rewarded. They knew he did something special and rewarded him his own trilogy because they were just going, he might have wrote the most epic thing ever for us or done the, directed the most epic story for us ever. Well, you remember when J.J. read the script, he was like, wow, I wish I was directing this movie. Well, and now he gets to wrap it up. Now he gets to follow it. Now he started it. Ryan Johnson does his and he gets to follow it. And it, it's really like I'm getting chills now thinking about this movie living up to the middle movie expectation, you know, of like with the, of the for the original trilogy that was Empire Strikes Back. It's one of the best character building episodes in the entire saga. You know what I just realized? I bet you, I don't know if this is true or not, but I bet you the United States release of The Last Jedi will come with Solo, a Star Wars so, a Star Wars story trailers. That movie comes out in May. Does it really? It comes out the week before Deadpool 2. So hold on, we get, in May we get Han Solo, Deadpool, and Avengers? Yeah, it's busy. Ouch. Uh, Ouch. My wallet hurts. <laughs> you have get movie pass. I'm telling you that one month you'll get all three of those movies for the price of one movie. It's worth it, you know? Uh thing is order now because I hear that it takes forever to get your actual card. The way that movie pass works is you have an account, your accountant gets billed once a month at ten dollars a month. It ha you have a debit card. Every time you select you're going to go to a movie, it puts the amount of money it would cost for that ticket on that specific debit card. You take it to the theater, jakink, you buy your ticket, game over. Pretty crazy, actually. Wave cool. of the future. It's like Netflix for movies. I'm yeah, stoked, I'm, Brando. I really awesome. I, I'm, I'm super stoked, too. Uh, there's not really too much to add to that, but I on the docket, I did put down Star Trek. Oh, I know. And I want to talk. Did you hear about, about it? it? Oh, I heard about it. We're getting a Tarantino-created Star Trek movie, rated R. That has been cleared, rated R. They have gone through and they said Paramount and JJ said you got the clear way to go make a rated R film. And he hasn't signed on to direct it yet, but he pitched the idea to Paramount and JJ on on what his kind of uh, Star Trek movie would be. Now, this, this, from what I'm understanding, this is probably not going to affect the trilogy of movies that have just come out. I got my Blu-ray copy of Beyond that I picked up a while back for like four bucks. I still need to on. watch that movie. It's pretty good. I mean, I don't know if it would be like the best out of them. Do you like the it's first on, two? But it's, if you liked them, you'll like it because uh, it's – I want to say it was written by – it was directed by Justin Lin. That was the dude that does the Fast and the Furious movies. Not Jeremy Lin. Obviously, there's a lot of Houston Rockets. No, but obviously, there's a lot of cool action movie, action movie stuff in here. Um, I'm trying to remember the dude's name. Simon Pegg. Oh, oh. He helped. Uh, he helped write the movie. I'm trying to find exactly uh, where it says written by Simon Pegg and, and Doug Jung. Doug Young or huh? Young. Wow. Uh, and then, of course, produced by JJ. Uh, abrams because he went to go do star wars but awesome flick is star i thought the i think the the new trilogy i mean they're fun they're awesome uh 
They're really cool movies. Some people didn't like the second one and, and the use of Khan. I actually thought it was kind of cool. But And then the new show is killing it. Star Trek Discovery is bringing it back to the small screen. And uh, the thing is, is that the newer Star Trek movies, uh, they, the, the third one is the least was like, oh, you, you, you had the first one that did well enough for them to justify a sequel. The second one that did better box office and the third one that did the worst at all three of them. So I think there was a third, a fourth movie that was being planned and it might've been shelved part due in part by the like lack of income, especially when you consider on the other side of the sci-fi verse, star Wars is making billions. Star Trek is not. So I think what they're looking at here is that if we bring in Tarantino and do an entirely different thing, it could mean big things for star Trek. Yeah. And, and as long as you don't, I think Tarantino's a smart movie maker. You know, he's not going to go in and make this whole thing a Sam Jackson movie or whatever. It's not going to be Pulp Fiction 2 in space. <laughs> no, but if you take, because he's a very smart filmmaker. He's a very, he's very key in, into dialogue and character development. If you give him the tools and you give him the characters, he can do something cool with it. And I don't know if it's going to, we don't know if it's going to be a Kirk story or if it's going to be a whole new ship with a whole new cast story. Like kind of how they did with Discovery, how that's set before the Enterprise and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what we could be having on our hands is something entirely new. Kind of like how the Ryan Johnson trilogy, he said it's not going to be any old Republic. It's going to oh. be something entirely new. I know, shrug, but if we're going to get something entirely new from the Star Wars verse, the Tarantino thing could be something entirely new for Trek, which could either flop or it could be something that Trek needs to kind of step to a different level and be, become something different than what it always has been. Yeah. Stand apart and to go, you know what? We are something too. It's not just about star Wars, which I'm actually wearing a cool, like one of my new shirts. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. It looks like an old NES cart, but it's star Wars millennium Falcon. Oh yeah. And then the, the Nintendo logo says rebel. Says rebel. I'm just wearing a Marvel shirt. Cause I'm a Marvel Mark. But uh, I'm, dude, I'm so excited for Star Wars. I cannot wait for this Friday. Uh, this week is going to drag on so slow. And if you do come down, that's going to be awesome because then we can just do the podcast right after. Absolutely. We won't be able to talk about the walk. Oh, wait, we will be able to talk about the Walking Dead mid-season finale because that's tonight. Yeah, so we can do both. I mean, if, if you want to start planning that, I'm all down because that sounds like a great time to me. Maybe we can get a few other guys from the network to join in. I'm down. Let's see. Uh, let's see what the plans can be. All I have next weekend is a show on Saturday, so Friday's so you clear. Would just, you would just have to be back up there by Saturday morning to yeah. get that. So if you wanted to crash here and get some sleeps and then head back up in the morning, you're free to do so. It's called planning for real on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's how we do it, man. That's what's up. Uh yeah, man, this is something we're going to definitely have to talk about and plan. Uh, I don't know if you saw it in the group or not, but spoiler alert, I have a special logo created for the next episode of Journey into Comics. I saw it, but I think you sent it when I had the, the, the group chat muted. Because I do that at night, especially if you guys start talking. Yeah, because I'm a night Cause owl. Because <laughs> it can wake me up, and then... This has happened sort of in the past where if I wake up, I can be kind of grumpy. Grumpy Brando. And so, so like my instant reaction can just be like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, just like, ugh, why are you waking me? You feel you're probably like the president in Independence Day. Uh, <laughs> I need to speak with the president. He's sleeping. Then wake him. 
Um, so yeah. Oh, it turned. <laughs> oh, oh uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> Little teaser there. Oh, yeah, he just threw it. Oh, that was great. Uh, I don't think we really have anything else we can go on about. I mean, we technically could talk a little bit about it, but we don't have to. Uh, because they released some. Maybe that could be exclusive content. Maybe that could be like a, something we throw up on the Facebook, where oh. maybe you could, if you want to talk about it, maybe we it, it could be like a JIC extra on Facebook where you just live stream it from your iPad, and maybe you talk about it or you and hey, yes, you, I'm thinking, man. Oh, I like how you think. Very well. Well, I think then that's gonna do it for this week of the episode. Should we do it? Do you want me to do the plugs? Do you want to do the plugs? Go ahead and do the plugs because I did the plugs uh, twice yesterday for for Game Addicts podcast, and uh, twice and it, and it was well, yeah, because we did two episodes. We did the one for this week, and we did the uh, uh, the episode that's going to be up for Feature Week. We went ahead and pre-recorded that because it's a retrospective. Yeah, very nice. I heard that you're also recording another episode soon with a couple dudes. Yeah, hopefully this Wednesday I'll get to get together with uh, Tyler, who has been on the Game Addicts podcast, and of course the host of Podcastrophy, uh, Dick Tyner, will be making his Game Addicts debut. We're going to be talking about the Monster Hunter beta, which I have downloaded, but don't know if I'm going to get a chance to play. Uh, just depending <laughs> on, I mean, that's, that's last the night I could have last night I could have played it, but I'm I'm sitting in my chair going. And then today, with the wife kind of being ill, I think I just kind of want to chill out, and maybe we'll throw on some Star Wars movies and kind of hype ourselves up for the new Star Wars, even though she can't watch it with me. Rude. That's oh, hilarious. man, I know. But I, I just kind of want to watch them. I've got the Despecialized queued up on my on my server. That way I, I can stream them to my PS4. Hell yeah, that's the best way to watch them, man. Well, as always, folks, you can check out Journey into Comics on all the different social media platforms, whether it's Facebook at Journey into Comics Podcast, Instagram at Journey into Comics, and or Twitter at JIC Network. You can get us on all the different podcasting platforms, whether it's iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or for the second official time officially announcing it for the first time, now you can find us, Journey into Comics Network. On Spotify, I'm so it's excited funny. to be a part of that. Yes, it's it's so exciting. What's funny is that I went to mention that on Game Addicts, and I realized, wait, our show's not on there. <laughs> it's the Journey of the Comics feed. <laughs> I'm just like, oh wait, yeah. So maybe in the future we'll be on there. But until then, go look go look at the other feed. <laughs> I, I'm sure we could probably arrange for Game Addicts to get on there pretty easily. I didn't take too much work to orchestrate getting us on Spotify, but uh, really grateful for hosting with Podbean because they make everything possible. They make everything really easy. I mean, for God's sakes, they've even got it now where they put an episode up on our YouTube without us doing any work. You know, that's... I know, but now, but now it's so cool because if this whole video thing worked that we're trying today, yeah, now we could just put this up and it's some... People could see us. They could see our my badass Ice Earth poster, my couple Amiibos, my Link Between Worlds, my Star Wars rock band... Uh, uh, poster if you stop making noise and start stop making the thing go away um and then batman uh arkham origins you got your pop viners and uh pop viners <laughs> said that wrong on purpose um did, did you see uh there's a there's a collection of like it's, it's it's president trump and he's like saying all these things and he's he's like saying stuff wrong no 
So he goes, he goes, he like he went when he says the Russia investigation, he says the Russia investigation. The Ru- I heard him say United States, United States of America. <laughs> yeah, that was that was messed up. That's a whole other podcast we could do. Paul Report, check it out every Tuesday on the Journey into Paul Comics Report. Network. Next, yeah, every Tuesday tomorrow, actually, if you're listening to this today, or today if you're listening to this tomorrow. <laughs> 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 that was confusing. All right, folks. Uh, as always, check out the Journey into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com. You can get us, like I said, on all the different social medias and and whatnot and d- different places to listen to podcasts. Just search Journey into Comics Network. You get 10 shows. That's Journey into Comics, Journey into Wrestling, Foodies Watching Movies, The Poor Rapport, Butt Stuff, Podcastrophe, The Voice of Survival Podcast, Game Addicts Podcast if you're doing the Patreon or on any of the best of the week clip shows, you can get Game Addicts Podcast at GameAddictsPodcast.com. You also get Brews with Dudes and Literature. All ten shows under the One Network banner. We're waving the flag high and saying that everything's glorious here, folks. If that's going to do it for this week of Journey into Comics, this has been episode 169. We thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Nate. I'm Brando. And we'll see you guys later. Just, uh, you know... Keep filling your brains with shit.